You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Aprom Kivalevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Good evening. We begin tonight. Uh, we have a special class for the Yom Tov of Pesach. And in preparation for the Seder, there's a lot that happens at the Seder, and all of us are busy trying to be Mekayim the Mitzvahs. And many times, there's aspects of the Seder that we don't appreciate enough, and as a result of that, we run through them and don't give them their proper uh, respect. So sometimes it's important, before Pesach, to take a few moments and take a look at something that we don't always get to think about, so that maybe it can add more meaning into our Seder. So tonight, I'd like to discuss the paragraph in the, uh, in the Haggadah known as Ha Lachma Anya. Halachma Anya, this is the poor man's bread that our forefathers ate in the land of Egypt. We then follow that with an invitation. Whoever wants, come and eat. We invite anyone to come. Then we say, a very difficult proclamation, whoever is interested, come and join us for the Pesach, which is of course a problem because you can't invite someone to join you in the Korban Pesach, as we saw in Parshas HaChodesh when it was read that the Korban Pesach has to be by Minuyim, people who have been counted in. You can't just join a Chabura, you have to already be counted. So it's a difficult thing. And then we follow that with a prayer that may the time come soon that we will be returned to Eretz Yisrael. And I think many people run through this particular prayer, uh, or run through this entire paragraph, and um, don't necessarily learn something from it. So I'd like to begin by pointing out some interesting um, customs when it comes to Halach Ma'anya, which should start, at least, to make you think that there's something significant here, that there's something important about Halach Ma'anya. So let's start with the following. Halach Ma'anya, this is the poor man's bread. Is this actually the poor man's bread that our forefathers ate in Egypt? Is your matzah that you have at your seder thousands of years old? Obviously not. So what do we mean this is the poor man's bread? We mean that this is the matzah that... So there are those who have, instead of halach ma'anya, like most Haggadahs have, they have kehalach ma'anya, like this poor man's bread, or a similar ha, this is kehalach ma'anya, this is like the poor man's bread that our forefathers ate in Egypt. In other words, this isn't the actual bread. It doesn't seem like such a big deal, but nevertheless, there are those who um, have a different text. Then again, and this is an even more interesting one, is that there are those who have the text, not ha-lachma'anya, but hey-lachma'anya. It's the same spelling, hey-aleph, but instead of having a kamitz, meaning ha, it's hey, with a tzere. Now, if you're looking for where this word comes from, it's actually in the Torah, when the land of Egypt comes running to Yosef, saying, give us, give us food, sustain us. Yosef says to them, hey, lachem zara. Hey, meaning, like here it is before you. Take it, take a look at it. Or as Rashi translates it in the Torah, hine, behold, here it is. So ha is sort of pointing to something and then saying that's what it is. Hey would mean, here you go. Here you go, here's some lachma anya. So, why are they so concerned with the exact text of halachma anya? I mean, I don't think it would be such a big deal. I don't think anyone's going to sit there at the Seder and go, does this mean, is this the actual bread that our forefathers ate? You look in different Haggadahs, and you'll find that in some Haggadahs, they will tell you to pour the second cup before and you look in other Haggadahs, and they will tell you to pour the second cup after. And I've seen this question many times. What, what do we do? What do we do? There's some Haggadahs that say like this, and some Haggadahs say like that. So, I mean, what some people would do is they would say, the Posikador is the art scroll sitter, so um, we, we, should, we should then follow... 
Oh, are, yeah, then there's the, 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 the posik, Maxwell House Agada. Yeah, there's all these different poskim. So you follow whatever they say. But we're not going to go into the halacha. Everyone should speak to whoever their um, predecessors are. But the question is, why would there be this debate over when you pour the second cup? Shouldn't you think that there would be some basic consensus of some agreement, at least we should be able to say the Ashkenazim do this, the Sephardim do this, or something like that. It's just different Haggadahs have different things. What do you do while you recite? Halach ma'anya. There are those who li- put their hands under the Ka'ara yeah. and lift up the entire Ka'ara and say Halach ma'anya. This is the poor man's bread. Some of you might wonder, that's not the poor man's bread. That's poor man's bread plus lettuce and maror and charoses and eggs. Um, there are those who therefore only lift up the matzos. There are those who lift up only the broken matzah, which you put back into the kara after you broke, while the bigger piece you sent away for the afikoman. And then there are those who will just uncover some of the matzos. Is it just random? Or is there some reason why we have all these different customs regarding halach ma'anya? I'll add one more question into the mix. There are those, I think most people have the custom, of saying halach ma'anya while sitting down. Probably everyone here. And then there are those who have a custom that they stand up for halach ma'anya. Now, though there are different parts of the Seder that some people have a custom of standing. Some people stand for Vihisha Amda. There's some people who stand for the um, Hallel. There's different customs, but there are some people who have the custom that they stand for Halach Ma'anya. Now, we know that those people who stand, let's say, for Vihisha Amda, they're trying to create this meaningful experience of Vihisha Amda, trying to bring out that the story of the Pesach Seder is not just the past, but it's in every generation. Hallel becomes almost a central part of the Seder why would we stand for halach ma'anya? It seems like it's, it's something I think that most people just run through and say, okay, yeah, we know this. We've already read this paragraph every year. Uh, what is there to learn from this? So in order to answer why we have all these different customs, we have to understand what the purpose of halach ma'anya is of this paragraph. So there are basically... Three approaches, which are really two approaches, but the second one has two ways of looking at it. The first approach is that ha-lachma'anya is the follow-up to the breaking of the matzah. We, when we begin the Seder, we have three whole matzahs. Some say Kohen Levi Yisrael, some have different customs about how they define and how we identify the matzahs. But there's three whole matzahs. We do Kadesh, then Urchatz, then Karpas. Then when you get to Yachatz, you take the middle matzah and you break it in half. And then you look at it. The larger half, whichever is the bigger piece, goes to the Afikoman. The smaller piece gets put back. But we, we don't do actions on Pesach without talking about them, without explaining them. So Ha Lachma'anya is a reference to that broken piece of bread. That is why we broke the bread. Because poor people don't have whole loaves of bread. Poor people have pieces of bread. Now, of course, if you learn like that, that's going to explain the opinion that says you lift up the broken piece and you say, because... That's the piece that's actually Lachmanya. We're only saying Lachmanya to explain why we broke the middle matzah. You wouldn't lift the rest of the matzahs. Furthermore, listen to this because it's so clear now, if you can hear this, that makes perfect sense why the opinion that says that Lachmanya is the follow-up to the yachatz, to the breaking of the matzah, that's why you wouldn't pour the cup then. You would pour the cup, the second cup after halachmanya. Because first you finish yachatz, and the pouring of the second cup is the first step within the process called magid, the telling of the Haggadah, because that's what the second cup is about. So since this statement of halachmanya has nothing to do with magid, it is the 
closing of the process of yachatz, you would therefore pour the cup, the second cup, after halach ma'anya. So this random custom, in fact, if you take a look, if the Haggadahs know what they're doing, assuming that they were written by people who understood, we know in every Haggadah there will be the word Kadesh, Urchatz, Karpat, sort of in bold as you get to each step. Any Haggadah which tells you to pour the cup, the second cup, after Halach Ma'anya, should also have the word Magid after Halach Ma'anya. As if Halach Ma'anya is connected to Yachatz, not to Magid. So obviously, I'm sure you guessed by now, the second approach of Halach Ma'anya is that it's a, actually the beginning of Magid. Halach Ma'anya is step one introduction into Magid. However, there are two ways of explaining this. We know we're going to have four sons in the Haggadah. The wise son, the wicked son, the simple son, and the son who does not know how to ask. And we discussed this uh, a number of years ago, so we're not going to go through it again. But we did discuss once, where are these sons mentioned in the rest of the Haggadah? Where are the answers to each of the sons? And you can go exploring, looking at the verses and the different sources, and you'll see how somewhere in the Haggadah we address different children. I'll give you one example. We know today we have those kids who learn better through audio, and then there's kids who learn better through visuals. So isn't it interesting how we tell, we tell, we spend so much time telling one kid about how bitter life was in Egypt throughout the Tzayel Lamad, the whole telling of the story. And then we stop and we, uh, by Rabbi Gamliel, and we lift up the moror and we say, this moror we eat it because our lives were bitter. Well, we're not at the moror yet. But we're lifting this up because for some children, in order for them to connect to the bitterness, they have to see, oh no, here comes the bitter tomorrow. So throughout the Haggadah, we're trying to address all the different children. Where in the Haggadah do we address the She'ena Yudea Lishal, the one who does not know how to ask? What does it say in the Haggadah we should do to the Ben that's She'eni Yudei Elishol, to the son who doesn't know how to ask? At Petachlo, At Petachlo, you, you do what? Open what up? The conversation. By doing what? Trying to get him to what? Ask questions. Ask questions. That's why, if you look in, if you look in the Gemara, the Gemara keeps saying, why do we do this? Why do we do that? What's the Gemara's answer always? Um, the language of the Gemara is Tinok. How do we usually understand the word Tinok? Infant, or a small child at least. So what we're saying is, we're meant to coax questions out of them. So we're about to do Manishtana. If we're about to do Manishtana, we're going to cover the other three sons who are going to ask questions. Where's the At Pesachlo? So the At Pesachlo, in order to bring the She'edi, the Elushal, the one who does not know how to ask, into the Manishtana, we have to Pesachlo, we have to open it up by lifting up this piece of bread and saying, this is the poor man's bread, to coax a question out of the She'edi, the Elushal, so that all four children should ask the Manishtana. In fact, there are those who say that that's why we have four questions in the Manishtana corresponding to the four children. But how do you have four questions corresponding to the four children if one of these four children doesn't know how to ask? And the answer is, it's not that he doesn't know how to ask at all, it's that he doesn't know what questions to ask. He needs to be prompted, psachlo, open it up for him. So the halach ma'anya becomes the way to coax the child into asking questions. Now we know one of the methods that the Gemara mentions of coaxing questions out of the child is by removing things from the table that we put on the table. We put them on, we take them off. That would explain the opinion why you would lift up the entire kara. Why? Because it doesn't make sense. Perfect. 
do stuff that doesn't make sense, and that way the child will ask. This would explain why we would stand up. Standing up would get the child that does not to ask to say, why are we standing up? Of course, once you're talking about um, getting children to ask questions, then you could just answer to every question. You could just say, oh, it's so that the children will ask. So, However, there's a third explanation, which is really similar to the second, in that Halach Ma'anya is an introduction into Magid with the following twist on it. What does Lechem Oni mean? So the Torah says, the Torah's word, as the Gemara explains, could be read as Lechem Ani, but it could also be read as Lechem Oni. Lechem Ani means poor man's bread. What does Lechem Oni mean? Lechem Oni, says the Gemara, is Lechem She'onin Alav Devarim Harbe. It's, Onin means to respond or to speak or to describe. It's the bread over which onin we respond many words. Which means when we say ha we're not supposed to translate it according to this interpretation as this is the poor man's bread, but this is the bread that makes us talk. That, of course, would explain the opinion that says that you lift up all the matzos. Because it's not about a broken piece of bread. It's not lechem ani. It's lechem oni. The matzah somehow brings out in us the concept of speaking and describing and, more importantly, responding. However, both these explanations would explain to us why you would pour the second cup before Halach Ma'anya. Because Halach Ma'anya is actually an essential part of Magid. So as we go on, we're going to talk more about Halach Ma'anya. I just want you to know that if you ever are faced with this question of should we pour the cup before Halach Ma'anya or pour the cup after, it would depend on whether you understand Halach Ma'anya as the follow-up to Me'achatz or as the introduction to Magid. One of the explanations Halach Ma'anya is spoken in Aramaic. So there are those who explain that the reason why it's in Aramaic is because they learn that it's an introduction to Magid, but it isn't Magid itself. Meaning it's a, it's a opening line before you begin Magid, so we want to separate it from the official text, and so we put it in Aramaic. There's other reasons why it's in Aramaic, but that, that's one of the explanations offered, is that I want to say it like this. It's almost like it's the instructions which are written in English in your Haggadah, as opposed to the Haggadah itself, which is written in the Hebrew text. However, what I'd like to share with you, and if you, if you just come to hear this explanation, this should change your Seder. Just this explanation. This is an explanation on the entire paragraph of Halach Ma'anya from the great Rebbe, um, of the Jikava Rebbe, the author of the Sefer Imri Noam. And uh, I would suggest preparing for this. The Imri Noam has in fact eight explanations on Halach Ma'anya. We're just going to do two of them. The second explanation he quotes a Gemara in Tanis. The Gemara tells us that in the days of Reb Shmuel Bar Nachmeni, in his town, the town had two separate tragedies that were happening. There was a famine, meaning food was scarce, and there was a plague of disease that people were dying. And the rabbis convened, what can we do about this? What can we do to make sure that we survive? What town is this? It doesn't say the name of the town. It was whatever town the Roshmul Ba'nachmeni was the rabbi of. So all the rabbis said, we're gonna, we have a choice. We, can, we can't pray for both. 
You can't pray for two things at a time. You can't make two demands of God. You come before the king, you can only make one demand. It's one of those rules that the Gemara says. It's like the rules, you can't wish for more wishes. So, you can only ask for one thing. So they said, which is worse? What do you think is worse? A plague or a famine? Which is worse? So they said, a plague is worse. Because a famine, there's a hunger, but you know, you're not... It's, you can survive it. If there's a plague, people will die. So they said, we're going to get together and everyone's going to pray to end the plague and somehow we'll survive the famine. They brought this suggestion before Abshmur bar Nachmeni and he said, no. You pray for God to end the famine. Because when Hashem gives Parnassah, He gives it to the living and not to the dead. He quotes the Pasuk. Poseach es yodecha, you open your hand, umazbiya and you sate lechol chai, to every living being, ratzon, based on their will, there's other interpretations of the verse, of course, but he says, this Pasuk tells you, that if Hashem is going to give you parnas, He's going to give you food, Hashem is, so, so to speak, going to undertake to give you life as well. So we should pray for Parnassah and life will automatically come. Says the Imre Noam, a somewhat counterintuitive but incredibly deep explanation. He says, this is what we should be doing every day of our life. We don't pray for health. We don't just pray for success. He says, you come before God and you say to God, I'm experiencing a famine. Everything is a famine. Hashem poseach has yodacha, give me, give me what I need because I stand before you poor and destitute. Hashem, I don't want to be poor. I don't want to be Without, I don't want to be a pauper. So give me Hashem. And when Hashem will give you, so that you're not poor, Hashem will have to give you everything. He'll have to give you health, because if He's giving you Parnassah, you don't have health, what are you going to do with the Parnassah? He says, this is why David HaMelech in Tehillim says, the, the prayer of the poor man, was David a poor man? Maybe at some point in his life. But he always came before Hashem as if he was an Ani. And before Hashem, he pours out his request. And as we know, you can be poor in many different ways. A person can be in poor health. That's poor. A person can be in a state of poverty financially. That's poor. But here's the deepest part. A person can be in a state of poverty in spiritual wealth. A person can be lacking in motivation. A person can be poor in inspiration. A person can be poor in knowledge. A person can be poor in skills. And all those poverties that you experience, you don't come before Hashem and make any other requests. You just say to Hashem, I stand before you, poor and destitute. And I need you, Hashem, to fill my void. If I say that this Torah, and we'll go on to explain this, is, is the most important thing that you should walk away from this year, the following line that I'm about to tell you, is the most important line in this Torah, even though the Imre Noam himself doesn't add this, but I think he means this. What's the highest day of the year? Yom Kippur. Who is the most important person on Yom Kippur? The Kohen Gadol. Today we don't have a Kohen Gadol. What do we do? We send up someone. We send the Shliach Tzibur. What are the first two words that the Shliach Tzibur says, the Shliach Tzibur who's going to lead the Avodah? What's the first two words he says? 
Hinini he'ani. Behold, Hashem, I am poor. He says, Ha'ani bedas. Nirash v'nifchad. I'm standing and trembling. Who am I to come before representing these people, knowing that I myself am lacking, lacking in holiness and lacking in knowledge and lacking in, in righteousness, and I dare to come speak before you? The first thing, and you know what? Hashem says, that actually allows the person to come. The permission for a person to come and pray before Hashem is because you walk up there and you say, Hinani Ha'ani Midas, I Hashem am a pauper, undeserving and lacking the right to come before you and represent the Jewish people. I don't think, I don't think it's a great leap to suggest that what the Imre Noam is suggesting, that Ha'alachma Anya is exactly the Hinani Ha'ani Bidas. It's where we stand before Hashem and say, Lachma Anya, forget Lachma Anya, I am an Anya. I'm going to perform a Seder here. Do we know the greatness of the night of Pesach? The incredible lights that come down, the incredible influence and Shafa of holiness, of all great things, of miracles that come down into the world. And I'm going to stand here and go through the Seder. And you know the people who lead the Seder? They wear a kittle. One of the reasons why they wear a kittle is because they are the Kohen Gadol going to do the Avoda. It's a different kind of Avoda. But they are like the Kohen Gadol going into the Beis Amigdash doing the Avoda. The night of Pesach is the holiest, holiest night. It's the night when you can make any requests. It's like Yom Kippur. What do we do when we pour the second cup? What does the Mishnah say? Mosgin Kos Sheni, you pour the second cup. Vekan Haben Shoel. And here, the child asks. You know what the Holy Books say? When you pour the second cup, you know how there's the leader of the Seder, and everyone's sitting around, waiting for their turn to recite Manishtana? you should know that each home that's leading a Seder is like one little chair sitting at Hashem's Seder. And each home which has a Seder inside of it, and each person in the Seder has a Seder inside of him, but each home is its own little area we're all sitting at Hashem's Seder. And when we pour the second cup, the Khan Haben Shoel, this is where we the children of God, can ask Hashem for whatever we want. If we would see the holiness by which the greatest of tzaddikim, I don't know if you've ever been at a seder of a great tzaddik, in many places the tzaddik will go to seder till four in the morning, so people will go after their seder and just catch uh, urchats. So um, they watch the tzaddik as they recite Manishtana, and they, you could see that they are not even on earth. Because Vikan Ben Shoel, say the holy books, means that you, the person attending the Seder, could say, ask for whatever you want. You know why? Because you come before Hashem, and you say, Hinani Ha'ani Midas Hashem, I am poor and destitute, accept my prayer. And that's Halach Mo'anya, says the Imre Noam. But this is accomplished, he says. Reaching this level, this level of Amuna, this level of connection to Hashem, that's the Matzah. What's the translation of Lechem Ani? We said there's two explanations. It's the Lechem Ani, the poor man's bread, but also it's Lechem Oni. What does the Gemara say? She'onin alav dvarim harbe, that we answer many things. Who answers many things? The father or the representative at the Seder is going to answer the questions with Avadim Ayinu, with Rav Gamil, with Seyal Amad. But only in Allah Devarim Harbi, in Shamayim, they're going to answer you for everything. Because as we said, if a person comes as an Ani, Hashem is going to have to give you health. Because what's the point of Hashem giving you Parnasa if you're not going to have health? What's the point of Hashem giving you Parnasa if you're not going to have wisdom? As we saw from the Gemara. 
So once you come as an onion, you ask. So listen to this incredible, beautiful pshat that the Imre Noam says. He says, This is the poor man's bread. Who's the poor man? Me. I'm the poor man. This is now the poor man's bread. But this is also the anya, the bread which through which all my requests, all my needs will be granted. All my wishes will come true. Whoever is hungry. Meaning, if you're asking Hashem for Parnasa, call the Tzrich, then whatever you need, Yesi v'yifsach will come to you on Pesach. Incredible, beautiful, beautiful. Whoever is hungry, Yesevich will come and eat, meaning Davam for Parnasa. And once you do that, call the Trich, whatever you need. Yesevich will come to you on Pesach. And we know the word Pesach comes, as the Arizal explains, from the two words Pesach, which means the mouth that speaks, through the prayers that we utter at the time of Halach Ma'anya, between the Halach Ma'anya and the pouring of the second cup and the Manishtana, that is now, if you understand the Imre Noam well, the most powerful time of the whole Seder. And I, I find it very helpful that I then need to wait about three hours for everyone to recite their own version of the Manishtana. Maybe a bit of an exaggeration. So many people get impatient. This is your time to pray. When the children are asking... When the people are asking, that's Kana ben Shoel. Talk to God and say to Hashem, these are the things I need this year. The channels are open. Hashem is listening because trust me, the kids that cute reciting Manishtana, Hashem and all the angels are coming to hear those children. So once they're there, put in a good word for yourself. If you would just come to hear this pshat dayenu, if I may quote from the Haggadah. But, because I have to uh, teach a class, so we're going to go on to more explanations. Like, I, 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 you, can't, you can't really top that. But, I mean, just... Yeah. What's the difference, again, between whoever's hungry come and eat and whoever's... Because he's learning, based on the Gemara, that if there's a famine and a plague, you pray for the famine, and then everything else comes. So he's, he's learning it like, whoever's hungry, come for the sake of Parnassah to Hashem, and then whatever you need will come to you. So that actually answers the question for how we can invite people to come eat the carbon Pesach, because he's learning it's got nothing to do with the carbon Pesach. He's learning that call the Tzirich, whatever you need in life. If you need Parnassah, if you need health, if you need wisdom, if you need understanding, if you need peace, if you, whatever it is that you need, that's your moment. There is a uh, third explanation which he gives. Again, we only did two and three, and we're going to leave one through the rest of the other eight, other six explanations. Um, the third explanation he gives is a totally different path in the world of Remez. The question is, how did the, why do we have a Pesach Seder at all? The Jewish people should not have left Egypt. The Jewish people were told, their message was that they're supposed to be 400 years in slavery. Now we reread it, we retranslate it, we put the comma in a different place so now we can get out. But technically we were supposed to be there for 400 years. So says the Imre Noam that we did something very special. And that one thing which we did that was so special got us out of Egypt early. What's the great thing? So I think most people would guess the bringing of the carbon Pesach, despite the fear of the Egyptians. I think some people would guess Brismila. That's pretty bold. Maybe uh, uh, borrowing the money from the Egyptians. That was a pretty big deal. Hashem made a request from them. Says the Imre Noam, the greatest thing that the Jewish people did in Mitzrayim was to eat matzah. We don't appreciate the spiritual power of matzah. We're already dreading a eight-day matzah fest. But in fact, we should be looking forward, excited. I think most people are to the first to the first bite. 
But matzah is referred to in the holy books as Michael de Mehemenusa, eating pure, round um, discs of emuna. As you eat those matzahs, you are filled with emuna. I'm not sure about square matzahs, but round matzahs for sure. Michael de Mehemenusa, it's food of healing, spiritual healing. The reason why the Jewish people needed 400 years was because they needed to be fixed for 400 years. Says the Imre Noam, matzah cut the time in half. If you take the word matzah, mem, tzadi, hey, and you expand the word matzah, give it some thickness. So mem is spelled mem, mem. That's 80. Tzadi, is spelled Tzadi Dalad Yud, which is 104. That brings us to 184. And Hey is spelled Hey Aleph, which is another 6. 184 plus 6 is 190. That's because the expansion of the Matzah and bringing out its full depth took 190 years off. Now, says the Imre Noam, this is unbelievable, how do you come up with this? Lach ma'anya, lamed ches mem aleph, 30 plus 8 plus 40 plus 1 is 79. Anya is 70, 50, 10, and 11, which is 131. 131 plus 79. Lach is the 210 years that they were in Egypt. While the matzah expanded is exactly 190. There's no cheating with borrowing, or it's right there. So he says, Lachma Anya represents the 210 years that we needed to be there. And then we went from a process of going through Lachma Anya through the matzah, we could then get out, the matzah covered the other 190. However, I'd like to add to this one more explanation. And this explanation works with the opinions that the word should not be ha-lachma-anya, but he-lachma-anya. He as in, here, take your lechem-oni. So the Seder HaAruch explains, based on the teaching of the Vilna Gaon, that Everyone's seen this concept before, that chametz and matzah share two letters the same, the mem and the tzadi. The difference is, the chametz has a ches and matzah has a hey. Not only that, but the ches, which represents sin, it's the first letter in the word chet, right, is in the front of the mem tzadi. As if the sin is getting in the way of mem tzadi, which happens to be the first two words in the word mitzvah, um, but that's a whole other subject. While the when you have matzah, it's the hey at the end, meaning that you do have access to the mem and sadi of the word mitzvah. So therefore, what's the difference between chametz and matzah? The ches becoming a hey. So he explains, hey lachma anya. By taking the haughtiness, by taking the blowing up of the dough, by taking the fermentation away, by making it into a hay, then you have lachma'anya. So again, the word still literally means hay, here it is. But now it's hay, as in the letter hay as well. That letter hey makes it lachma anya to point out the difference between chametz and matzah. But it's much more than that. You may be familiar with the Gemara in Menachos. The Gemara tells us that this world was created with the letter hey. How do we know this? Because it says, Ela told us Hashemayim va'aret, these are the chronicles of heaven and earth, Behi baram, which I would say, just say, Behei baram. Or, based on the verse, Ki ka Hashem tzu alamim, God created the two worlds with a yud and a hey. The upper world is created with a yud. This world is created with a hey. What does that actually mean? That our world is a hey? So, there's many explanations given, even some mathematical ones. Right? But, 
But the, in the world of the Chazal, what they understood is that the hay is a metaphor. Because this world is a protective world on three sides. But the fourth side, you have the option of leaving, of walking away. There are many more ways of staying in the fold. There's three walls keeping you in. But every person has free will. And the bottom of the world, in a spiritual sense, allows you to walk out if you want to. If the world was created with a mem or a samach, we wouldn't have free will. The world was created with a hey, you want to leave, hey, that's your choice. But, the world could have been created with a ches. A ches would have meant that there's only one door. You're out, and you stay out. Says the Gemara, the reason why the hay has that hanging letter and there's an opening at the top, it's so that you can come back. Says the Gemara, well, why do you need a new door to come back? Come back where you left. And the answer is you can never come back the way you left. Which is interesting. Because where does the tzaddik stand? The tzaddik stands in the middle of the hay. Where does the Baal Teshuvah come in? At the top of the hay. That's why we say that the place where the Baal Teshuvah stands, the tzaddik can't stand, because he's in his safe place in the center. He hasn't fallen out, while the Baal Teshuvah has climbed his way up to the top of the hay. So because our class is officially the Sea of the Medrash, we have to discuss, there's a very difficult medrash. This is a medrash in Vayikra Rabbah which says, Amar Rebbe Levi, Metzinu B'Torah U'B'Neviyim U'B'Ksuvim. I can find you verses from the Torah, from the Navi, from, from the Ksuvim. She'ein HaKadosh Baruch Hu Chafetz B'Kiluso Shal Adam Rasha. Hashem does not want praises coming from a wicked person. The Medrash then goes on, we're not going to read all the verses, to explain how in Torah we see that God doesn't want to listen. I'll just give one example. In the Torah, it says that the Metzori, the one who has leprosy, has to cover his mouth. Why does he cover his mouth? Because God doesn't want to hear his words anymore. His, it's as if his prayers are being kept from him. So too he has Psukim in the Vim and in Ksuvim, Famous Rosha Amar to the wicked one God says, Who asked you to speak my to speak my statutes? I don't want to hear from you. There's a concept that many beautiful people have this custom that before they make Kiddush on Friday night, they do something that's very quick, very simple. They are Maharher Bachuba. They have a musing of repentance, a thought of repentance. Why? Because as we know, when someone is called up to be a witness for a chuppah, certainly for even more significant contracts, the rabbi will say to the person, regardless of how righteous the person may be, he would say to him, you should do teshuvah. Because there are certain things, there's nobody who's perfect. And there are people who have committed transgressions, which maybe they wouldn't be um, able to be a kosher witness. It could be something such as the person has heretical thoughts. or So we're not going to make a big deal. We're not going to ask people to submit forms for all their last 30 days worth of sins, so that the rabbi can analyze it and see if they're worthy of testifying. But we tell them, have some thoughts of teshuvah. Now, does that work? Well, the halacha is, fascinating Gemara, Misachtas Kedushin, that if a man walks over to a woman and says, Hareat, etc., on the condition that I am a tzaddik gamur, that I'm a complete tzaddik, even if this is the worst guy ever, we have to be concerned that maybe it's a good uh, condition. Why? This guy has just committed a mass murder, and at the same time, he um, committed even worse sins than that. He, uh, he um, you know, sang Zmiris out of tune. He, 
he uh, sang too long of a lachadodi. You know these terrible sins that people do. So, uh, so maybe he's not kosher. He, he's obviously not kosher. So he's not a tzaddik gomer. The answer is because maybe while he was standing there, he had a thought of teshuva. And one of the holy books writes, "Who, what Jew would stand there and say on the condition that I'm a tzaddik gomer and not feel regret for the fact that he isn't?" So maybe at that moment he's a tzaddik gomer. So therefore, because we know Kiddush, even those people who sit for Kiddush, many of them will stand up for Vayichulu, because Vayichulu is Eidus, it's testimony. In Shul, people have the custom of saying Vayichulu together with another person, because Apishnaim Eidim Yakum Davar. So, it's testimony. If you want to be kosher as a witness, you have to do Teshuva. So therefore, there's a beautiful custom that many people have before they recite Kiddush on Friday night. They take a moment and they just think about wanting to do Teshuvah. The Seder is more than just Edus. The Seder night is when we form our identity. The Seder night is when we define our true connection to Hashem and to us. The Seder night is when we publicly declare we are the people of Hashem. Chayev Adam liros es atzmo ki iluhu We are meant to see ourselves as if we left Egypt. That means that Hashem is choosing us. V'atem tiu li mamlechas kohanim v'go kadosh. You will be my people. Pesach night is when Klal Yisrael was born. Hashem took one nation from within another nation, and the Gemara explains like a child coming out of the womb. The Jewish people were born, so to speak, on Pesach night through the process of Makas Bechoris, and the Jewish people leaving Egypt were supposed to conjure this image of this child emerging from the mother to be a human being. This happens on Pesach. And because this is happening through the Seder, we need to be in a place where we are ready to be the people of Hashem. We know in 49 days, actually unless, we're going to have to recite Nasa Venishma. Nasa Venishma doesn't begin there. Nasa Venishma begins with what the night of Pesach was like. And the night of Pesach, as we know, the Jewish people were lifted up in that night all the way to the 50th level of holiness. It was then, as soon as the night ended, sucked out of them, and they had to now walk step by step through the next 49 days to reach this level. Therefore, the Pesach Seder, the Pesach Seder is now going to be our connection to Hashem and the testimony of who we are as a people. So he explains, this is the Seder HaAruch, that you can't start the Pesach Seder without doing Teshuvah. When is the moment at the Seder to do Teshuvah? Now you could say, well, you just made Kiddush a few minutes before. But that's a different kind of Teshuvah. That's a Teshuvah that's enough that the person says to himself, you know, I want to be kosher for a witness. Technically, you know, I did this and this. I feel bad. You know what? I'd like to be better. But take a moment and really fix yourself. So it says the Seder Aruch, when you say the words, Hey, Lachma Anya, and this is true even if you say Ha, it's still spelled as a Hey, you're supposed to say, Am I a Ches or am I a Hey? Have I climbed back up through that opening in the hay, or have I not? Everybody knows that you're not just supposed to destroy the chametz from your home. You're supposed to destroy the chametz from within you. Many people have a beautiful custom of reciting a prayer after they burn the chametz that says, just like I merited to burn the physical chametz, may I merit to burn the spiritual chametz. That chametz is represented by the ches. We don't want to come on Pesach with any cheses. Lo sishchat al chametz dam zivchi, says the Torah. You can't even bring the carbon Pesach while you have chametz in your home. 
So call the Tzirich Yesev Yivsach. When we're going to say, we're going to make the carbon Pesach, we have to check ourselves. Does your home have chametz? And when we say, does your home have chametz, you better not have chametz in your home by the time you're reciting Lach Ma'anya. But what about the chametz in your heart? And so, hey Lach Ma'anya, or even Ha Lach Ma'anya, means I'm going to take a moment and I'm going to bring myself away from that place of being of chametz. And instead I'm going to become halach ma'anya. I'm going to become the poor man. I'm going to do teshuva. I'm going to come before Hashem and request that He forgive my sins. And then of course, this explanation fits in so beautifully with the explanation we mentioned before of the Imre Noam. As, the, as we said before, the Imre Noam says that halach ma'anya is when we come before Hashem poor, and destitute. And when we say to Hashem, I have nothing, please give me. And that this is a moment for prayer. So according to this explanation, the first moment of that prayer is Teshuvah. It's interesting that according to this, one explanation is that Halach Ma'anya is Teshuvah. The second explanation is that Halach Ma'anya is your moment to ask for whatever you want, it's tefillah. And in the literal translation, it's kol dechfin yechol, it's tzedakah. And as we know, that the teshuvah, with tefillah, with tzedakah, mavir in that removes the decree. So what should you do when you've done all the things you need to do to remove the decree? You immediately say, meaning, this is the moment. We just did teshuva, we just did tefillah, we just did tzedakah. And now we're saying to Hashem, bring the redemption, because all the decrees, all the terrible decrees have been removed from Klal Yisrael. Instead of Halach Ma'anya being that part that you just run over because it doesn't teach you anything, Halach Ma'anya can almost include the entire Seder in it. Halach Ma'anya beginning with that hey and ending in Lashana Haba, which is actually the end of the Seder itself, the entire Seder is contained within the Halach Ma'anya. May we merit that if we can hold on to some of these thoughts and take advantage of the powerful moment that exists between coming before Hashem as the poor man, until we make those requests, those prayers of Manishtana Halayla Azeh, as the um, more recent commentators have said, how long is this night? How could it be that this exile is so long? May we merit that just like we saw the miracles of Avadim Ayinu, Aparim Mitzrayim, we should merit Ki Mitzrayim, Hashem should show us the same miracles. And all of us together should be Lashana Habab Yerushalayim Abniya. Thanks for joining us for another episode from the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a single episode.